0: Good evening, and welcome to everyone's favorite radio show on fire, uh, engineering blog talk radio uh, everywhere from the East Coast uh, down to South Dakota. Then there's another favorite show uh, from... Anyway, that's not important. The bottom line is uh, that, that 10 people... Love this program, and it's their favorite program, and so we're here for, for nine of you tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Larry Conley Radio Show, and as usual, I am not, despite all the court hearings, Larry Conley, but I'm here with a treat. Ladies and gentlemen, we have tonight our host, our field leader, ladies and gentlemen, Deputy Chief of Training for Collinsville Fire Department and and. Several of your people's uh, babies' uh, daddy, ladies and gentlemen, it's Chief Larry Conley. <laughs>
1: you know what? Uh, <clears throat> I thought we was going to cut out the part where we got kind of into the, you know, the baby daddy business, you know. But you know. oh,
0: my it's My fault. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't see that. Got that reactive. <laughs> <laughs>
1: For those mm-hmm. who don't know, also I'm very proud to announce that I'm a grandpa now. So I have a—I
2: mm-hmm. think I might have mentioned
1: it before, yeah. but I'm still happy about that. Just, uh, I'm a pawpaw now. So uh, thank God they don't make you pay child support on grandchildren. There would be worse mm-hmm. stuff then. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but, uh, mm-hmm. but seriously, folks, welcome back to another edition of V. Um, Larry County Radio Show. Story. Uh, Mommy Lane there, and and my brother David,
0: Hello.
1: and uh, so <clears> there's <throat> a great time, a family affair, and a great time for us to get together. And this is the only time we talk every seven weeks. We don't talk to each other
3: <laughs> between the seven
1: weeks because we're just busy, you know. We're just busy
3: yeah, people, just, right. and
1: uh, so we were created we we created this show <laughs> so that we can have a chance to talk to each other. You know, okay. sometimes we invite okay. some house guests over as well. So. Uh, so we'll have house guests in later and we'll discuss that a little <laughs> later but um definitely it's always a pleasure to come together and um and discuss all things leadership especially in the fire service and um uh, tonight is no exception Again, for a treat and we're looking forward to our guests tonight and um, in the meantime um speaking of family members that we have and don't have um I'm sure most people in fire engineering are discussing it. It's the loss of our family member, uh, um, Robert Halton, um uh, mm-hmm. Bobby. And um mm-hmm. man, it's been a um it's been I don't know if I'm still I'm still processing it, you know. Um mm-hmm you know, you know sometimes I talk about it and don't foresee being choked up about it, you know?
3: Mm-hmm. And, um. It seems kind
1: of unreal. We just had that, yeah. It just do not seem real. You know, when it's do not obviously seem real is when we go to FDIC this year. <clears throat> you won't see Bobby walking down the hall, parting the Red Sea with everybody trying to take pictures with him. And, mm-hmm. um,. <clears throat> him holding court anywhere in the convention hall and in the halls and the fiery open rah-rah speech and um mm-hmm. just going to be different a lot different fdic the, the landscape of fdic is going to be changed forever and mm-hmm. bobby really was a um major part of of making the um uh, conference as successful as it, as it was and will continue to be.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, you
1: had to have a great supporting cast to make it happen, and that supporting cast we um, will always um, continue to make it work. And, and, and we'll adjust and, and adapt and, and overcome as um, Bobby will want us to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he won't want the FDIC to die with him. <clears throat> so... They're just going to be different, and I think that's when it's going to really hit me that mm-hmm. um, Bobby is, is gone. So, um, because no, nobody I've ever met has identified with <clears throat> their profession as much as he did, being you know the American Fire Service firefighter, the face of the fire service, and his mentor Alan Brunsoni was the was the granddaddy of it. <laughs> so, you know.
2: Now, your dad and your granddaddy
1: gone. What, well, you know, the, the, us kids got to carry it on. <clears throat> but definitely want to acknowledge that um, part of the reason that David and I are uh, where we are in this whole conversation of, of national fire talk and leadership and everything that we do, <clears throat> a lot of us. Because of the relief of, of Bobby, you know, he recognized the hard work we put in. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and he, he kind of, you know, gave us a little audit on <clears throat> what I think would my my input and what I think would help work uh, <laughs> because of, uh, he knew the he knew definitely the national scene better than we did at the time. And then took a chance on this, you know, took a chance on two brothers from North St. Louis who had a great idea that we thought we can help make the fire service better than what we found it. And he was, you know, a major contributor to that belief. And, um, mm. so we've been trying to do our best to continue to contribute and travel. Uh, we're going to be gone next week. I think we got dates. All the way leading up, leading up to FDIC, and, and and definitely dates after. But all of this word of mouth and 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 um, things that we're able to share and network with others um, gets our message out there. And the main one of the main believers, as, as <clears throat> they say, one of the early adapters was Bobby Halton. <laughs> so. Um, he will be missed, and um, like I say, he was more than just a um, a professional friend. He was a mentor. He comes to town. He's been to my mom's house, and and um, you know they they just hit it off, even though. <laughs> They had a lot of different political views on stuff, and it was always fun to hear them go at it about that. <laughs> but he respected her point of view, and she respected his. And at the end of the day, they were acting like we all should act. We can be, have differences and and, mm-hmm. and talk about mm-hmm. our, our different upbringings and how we work, but still respect each other and still can work together
2: mm-hmm. and still
1: can and find a common good, in, mm-hmm. and that's how it should be. And um yep. and Bobby and I had some <clears throat> had a lot of things we agreed on and we we've had some some heated discussions, some mm-hmm. things we didn't necessarily agree on. Mm-hmm. Not always necessarily politics, but just maybe something but I respected him for standing on what he believed in. He respected me for standing on what I believed in. Mm-hmm. And the conversation always ended with Love you, brother. No matter mm-hmm. we we just got through <laughs> going at it, you know, I'm we love you, brother. You know, and um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I appreciate that because a lot of times you can go in with somebody and don't have a respectable disagreement. Yeah. And it turns into somebody talking about your mama. You know all that. Uh, I think Bobby knew better than that, but, anyway, <laughs> but it But <laughs> turns into <laughs> you know getting away <laughs> with people. You <laughs> just really um, kind of um, getting away from the the topic at hand. <clears throat> and when they get very, from the topic at hand, then it's no longer a productive conversation. And our conversations
2: mm-hmm. were
1: always productive, <clears throat> even if it was a disagreement. But as long as it ended, love your brother. And, and we kept it moving and, and kept the business at the fire service and our brotherhood together. We were good. And we both had the love for cars. So whenever I would travel down that way, go visit my brother in, in Oklahoma and go to visit my friends in Texas and you know, I would make Bobby make a stop and toss a part of the agenda. And when I did, you know, hey buddy, come check out my Mustang and we we'd go ride around in the Mustang or drive it, whatever the latest thing I had and just sit up there and talk cars for I don't know how long i was
2: be eating the hamburgers mm-hmm. and doing
1: simple stuff, you know, firefighters and cars. I think we've been recorded a, a couple of times of us easing on down the road in these, in these nice vehicles and stuff, so we had a common love for cars. So firefighting and common love for cars and education and history and and all of that were things we had in common coming from, you know, basically different walks of life and, and had a lot of things in common in our it, but definitely different things as well but was able to do what we hope firefighters all over the world are doing and we have differences we may not see eye to eye but we are family we're a team and when that bell hits politics race gender all of that doesn't matter the integrity and excellence that the public expects gets delivered no matter what side of the tracks you were from. And we tried to Mm -hmm. model that with our relationship. Um, And not for the purpose of marketing it, because we think people should look at it and say, hey, look what Larry and Bobby are doing. It was, it was just, we just, we felt that, matter of fact, we felt that way before Bobby even became part of Mm the FDIC. You know, when I met Bobby, he was a battalion chief, you know what I'm he became um, a um, fire chief in, in Texas, and then from there went to, you know, fire engineering. So, he, you know, before he was, you know, through Bobby Hardness as we going now, <clears throat> I simply met Bobby. And um, so we clicked from there and just walked it from there in that relationship. So there was no, <clears throat> I guess you could say there was no, no, uh, I guess what you what you want to call it, some kind of advantage of like getting to know know the celebrity style Bobby, so to speak, and we got to know okay. just a guy named Bobby who turned into a fire service celebrity, you know, and uh, yeah. so I was always happy about that because. You know, there are very few friends who just know you growing up and know who you are and know the insides out and still love and care about you When if you do happen to, you know, have some success in your job or whatever and still love you the same. And then there are some people who meet you after there's a little notoriety and you're kind of suspicious on you know, where they stand or what their motivation is. So we didn't have that issue because we knew each other beforehand. So I was always happy about that. And and the other thing just to wrap this up <clears throat> excuse me. He he remained the same person. <laughs> you know, like some people are like, Hey, I got a little notoriety now, so just the ring or you're gonna have to, you know, have my secretary look and see when we can see each other or something like this. That never happened. The same Bobby I was able to contact and talk about stuff and exchange ideas about how to make me a better firefighter. Um, Just the same Bobby that when he was traveling many weekends and many weeks throughout the year and always in the air or whatever. If I called and he couldn't get back to me right away, he would call me a short time after. Hey, buddy, what's going on or whatever? Where you at? I mean, wherever teaching. And after I leave here, I got to go here. But hey, you know, what's going on? What can I help you with? And he could have easily not had time, but he made time, you know. But he was making time just like he did when I first met him. And he's never too busy. And the last thing he to talk about was showing pictures of Meyer, my granddaughter, and um me we discussing that. <clears throat> so I don't have a long plan drawn out thing. Even <clears> though <throat> know, you might say too late, we've been talking long enough, but <laughs> I don't have a long drawn out thing but I didn't want to just acknowledge, you know, the loss of my friend and and mentor and and, and Bobby hogan And um and say that um He's um, he's probably up there discussing philosophy with the philosophers <laughs> that invented the philosophy. You
3: know? <laughs> I know what
1: you said in your book, but
3: you know, I just think you could have said
1: that a better way. You know,
4: Plato, <laughs> you know, so, and, uh, so, so it's,
1: it's, it's kind of cool to he uh, uh, was that well read and, and and can and can relate it to Layman's terms to where. You understood exactly what he was saying. So I was happy to know somebody like that. And it helps me step my game up and things like that. But anyway, enough about that for now. We're going to hear more, I'm sure, as the year goes on. and I'm sure you're going to hear more as we get close to FDFC because I'm, I think they really have something big planned to celebrate the life and legacy of Bobby Halton. But tonight... Um, I am happy to talk to our guest tonight. And our guest tonight is, uh, well, he might have a few words to say about Bobby because they were good friends as well and some of the opportunities that he was afforded. But before he gets started, I just want to, like, kind of testify to how um, cool it is to know this brother. Uh, Lenny Carmichael Jr. was one of the first people I met when I came to my first FDIC back in the day. <laughs> sounds like I've been there a while, but anyway, back in the day, <laughs>
2: uh,
1: uh, back back in the day, we, we met Lenny Carmichael along with a few other guys at the uh, at FDIC. <clears throat> And Lenny was like, you know, this is your first time here, whatever it yeah. was, my first class and teaching, excited. I heard it was a big deal. I mean, I think I knew it was a big deal, but you didn't realize how big of a deal until you got there and saw how this convention shuts down downtown Indianapolis. I mean, they got buildings covered with firefighter stuff. They every place you go, the firefighter specials. You know, Indianapolis is a convention town. But... <clears throat> when FDIC arrives, it just becomes Firetown, USA. And then you go to the opening ceremony, you got the, the, the mayor speaking, you got the governor speaking, and you know, all these different people, there are people you read about, in articles and books there speaking, and then you see them in the hall and you're talking to them and all that kind of stuff. So it's a lot to speak in. And one of the Um, The people who were great, who was a great tour guide to me, among a few other people, but they're not the star of the show tonight, so we're only going to talk about this guy. But but one of the people, but he was a tour guide to me, and I felt safe in the big ocean of what's all going on here. And um, uh, Lenny Carmichael Jr. was that guy. Come on over here. This is a great place to eat come on, I want you to meet this person, uh, you know, come on through, we're going to do this, we're going to go out here, whatever. Uh, he was a great tour guide. I never will forget how he just took me under his wing and said, welcome. Um, and um, and then came to my class one year and was like, man, you know, this was really good, got the stamp of approval. But and I was really happy to, you know, touch and agree with somebody who was willing to, you know, kind of show me the vote. But then <clears throat> I went to his class, and it was um, the initial size of for company officers, and I'm sure I'm not saying entirely right. But when I went to their class, and, and I saw the way Lenny teaches with such authority, uh, not only just a loud voice for this guy, but he knows what he's talking about. I've been in the class where people loud voices. They didn't know what he was talking about. You know, then I went the to people's class. They really knew what he was talking about, but you fell asleep because it was so boring. But Lenny can put you on that hot seat. He had the little segment that he calls the hot seat. And he's all right. You're answer know, incident commander. What do you do? Blah 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 blah. And come on, you got it. Come on. And by so he's making fun of you, but encouraging you at the same time. You don't know how to feel with these mixed emotions. He's like, I'm on the hot
5: seat. and He's making fun of me, but I'm having fun, and I'm learning at the same time. You know, everybody <laughs> can't
1: do that kind of mastery of teaching. And Lenny has a, a great recipe of putting that all that together. So I've seen him work at uh, FDIC with this formula. I've seen him work at EDI, Secret left stolen some of his stuff, uh, his presentation style for myself. He's do I just wanted to tell him because I'm asking for parties or something and stuff. So, but anyway, uh, <clears throat> at the end of the day, uh, he, he he's a master teacher, and uh, and, and so he was uh, uh, deputy chief operations in, in Trenton, New Jersey, and uh, you know ran things up there. He was, he was a you know, bite white guy, taking care of business. Uh, and, this, uh, and then when he retired from there, he does a lot of work now for National Fire Academy. And he teaches, like, you know, some people may teach. I'm not making fun of reducing anybody's status, but many teach like, the hard stuff. Like, it'd be like, you know, uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but he'd be like, I can't even pronounce the class. he like, but the uh-huh. teacher is Lenny Carmichael, you know. <laughs> so so he's, he's really good at what he does, you know. And uh, so I'm, I'm really... Um, we just feel blessed to have him on the show, and um, I consider us, um, you know, good friends. And uh, he was also a keynote speaker at FDIC as well, so he was able to give me a few coaching tips before we did our keynote back in 2021. And uh, just, you know, just been a great friend and mentor as well. And uh, and you can't go nowhere in the country out I was saying, you know Lenny Carmichael? Yeah, I know Lenny Carmichael, you know. And... uh <clears throat> And So I was able to get him on the show tonight because Lenny has written a new book, and we're going to talk about that book tonight. So not only is he a, a, a nationally known speaker, a you know keynote speaker, uh, agent uh, for the National Fire Academy, and then now he's an author. So he he does it all. This is this is one stop shop when you talking about excellence in firefighting and, and education. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Dave, you know, I like using that. Without further ado, it makes the show sound classy. When I say without further ado, <laughs> I like to introduce uh, right, right. one of my good friends, the, uh, um, Lenny Carmichael, Chief Lenny Carmichael. Are you still there, sir? How are you? I, I, hey, I'm,
6: I'm here. I'm here. I'm here, man. I, I was just blown away by that introduction. You are Definitely too kind, man. You're too kind. I'm, I'm very <laughs> appreciative of the opportunity. I really am. He takes cash mm-hmm. out. He takes cash,
0: <laughs> yeah, cash
3: out. Cash out. Cash out. Veil me. Veil mode. I use
2: Veil. Veil mode. Right, right, right. <laughs> now, Luke is the link.
6: I know. Uh, now look, Miss Elaine. Don't let me have to come to his phone now. You know what I'm saying? Now you know what I'm yeah. saying. You, like, you be acting all crazy, Miss Elaine. Come on down. Yeah. <laughs> Who you
2: talking?
6: You talking? man. That's why I know you on point, Miss Elaine, because you'll take no stuff.
0: Bring it. <laughs> No at all. None you won't take none
1: at
2: all and, and, and none at
6: short <laughs> So Well well first of <laughs> all, I'd really like to thank you, Larry, and uh, your brother David and your mother, uh, Miss Elaine for allowing me to uh be part of this great venue. Um, again, I, I would be remiss if I did not pay tribute and honor uh Bobby Halton, uh, the late Bobby Halton. Um
2: yeah. It's
6: uh, I'm still trying to process too
2: because
6: mm. Bobby not to take away from all those things you said but Bobby was a real person
2: mm-hmm.
6: and if he cared about you he let you know it, and yeah. he told other people that he cared about you and he didn't care if you liked it or if you
3: didn't
6: because that was Bobby
3: mm.
6: I remember when I first met Bobby uh, was actually in Atlantic City, and I was at FDIC East, and he was coming up the elevator uh, with Diane and uh, Chief Tommy Brennan, so and uh, he said, who's that guy? He looks like a football player. That's the first thing he said. Hmm. And um, that was my real first venue teaching at FDIC East. And uh, Diane Feldman had put me in an opportunity to be successful uh, I just want to thank her. Um, but anyway, Bobby showed up. He came to my class, and I was nervous. And he walked up and he mm. said, you can do this. You're going to be all right. Mm.
2: So I
6: did my spiel, and uh, I got through it. And uh, after I got done, put his arm around me and said, welcome to the family. Mm. And I never forgot that. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, you know, he's treated me. And my family, like family. And then in two thousand and seven, he called me up on the phone and he said, "Lenny, I got a favor to ask you." And I said, "What's up, Chief?" He said, "I would like for you to be the keynote speaker. That's the ask." And I immediately, I immediately went in a panic mode. <laughs> I said, mm-hmm. "I, I am no way deserving to be on that stage." And he said, oh, yeah, you are. He said, I want you. He said, I'm going to let you have an hour to process, and I'm going to call you back. So he hung up the phone. I sat there and thought about it. And uh, I called my grandfather, God rest his soul. He passed away two years ago. He was 96. He was one of the last mm-hmm. remaining World War II D-Day vets around. And mm-hmm. when I called my grandfather, I told him what was going on. And he said, look, man. Is sometimes you get opportunities that you just cannot pass up. And the opportunities that you don't take are the ones that you regret. Mm. So nice. Bobby called me back, and I told him I would do it, and uh, the rest is history. I went out and thought about doing the right thing as it relates to firefighter safety with heart attacks and um, responding and returning from alarms and, and structural firefighting injuries, and uh, I got a standing ovation. And my daughter was there, and uh, my mother, and it was it was a very um, great time. And then right after that, in my uh, fire department, I was tasked with being the acting fire director, and uh, I called Bobby again. I said, Bobby, what do I do? Hmm. He says, you got 225 people that are depending on you. I said, yeah, Bobby, but the city is $55 million in debt. You want $7.5 million from the fire department. And where am I with that kind of money? <laughs> and Bobby said, well, you know I'd loan it to you if I had it. <laughs> Since I don't have it. Excellent. I think it's do a safer grant, and he gave me some advice, gave me a couple phone numbers and uh working with the Trenton Fire department, both unions um battalion chief John Grivin uh, actually wrote the safer grant uh However, at the end of the day uh we were a team, and I can honestly say that was a really dark time, not only in my life but my career. Mm. But every time I called Bobby, he would say, Lenny, it's going to be okay. I love you. So he always said, no matter how bad it was, no matter how good it was, and I can honestly tell you we were able to get the Safer Grant three times in a row for $49.8 million. And there were a lot of people in that committee, uh, Lisa Williver, Mark uh John Gribben. SNBA 6 and 206, working together as a team, and the firefighters and the officers and the chief officers, city administration, Councilman George Michelle, all the council people, and working as a team, the best thing that I can say, I've accomplished a lot of things in my life, but nobody ever lost their job, nobody ever got demoted, and a lot of that thanks I owe to Bobby Believing in me when I didn't believe in myself. Wow. So, um, mm-hmm. Bobby, I know he's up there. I know he's looking over us. It's definitely going to be mm-hmm. a different FDIC. But our motto this year is I'm going to take some beyond said we're going to show up and we're going to show out. Yeah. And we're going to show mm-hmm. up and show out for Bobby because that's what mm-hmm. he would have wanted. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I miss my man. I'm going to have a drink. When we get out to FDIC to toast to him. But um, the show must go on, and we will go on. Somebody just got to step mm-hmm. up.
3: Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Yeah.
6: But anyway. Absolutely. Um, the other thing I would be remiss if I didn't thank Deputy Chief Anthony Avillo and Joe Birch talk. Chief Avilo was actually doing a flashover, and uh, he had introduced me to Mike Nasta. And Chief Avila said, I'm going to introduce you to Joey Burstall, who's in charge of Flashover, the picnic at his house. And he said, I think you will be good at it. So I showed up and met the team, and uh, I've been doing Flashover ever since. This will be my 22nd year. And uh, Mm. one year I didn't miss because of COVID. Um, Mm. Not that I had it, but there was no FDIC. And then when they did it in the uh, summertime, I had another engagement, couldn't make it. But But, um, you know, everybody gives you a foundational knowledge. And, again, Bobby gave us a foundational knowledge.
3: Yeah. And yep. when you
6: come through the door, you bring somebody else with you. And I'm glad I met Larry. I'm glad I met um, his mama because, Mr. Lane, I got to tell you, you keep it real and you keep it funny. <laughs> and, you know, you good people And I also met your brother And uh, mm-hmm. you guys did a dynamite job As keynote speakers um, You know, my man John Austin and, uh, Mike Washington and, uh, Dow Jones uh, um, Dwayne Dowell
2: mm-hmm.
6: So, you know, uh, there's a lot of people That I want to thank If I did that, I'd be here all day But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to do a cover statement. I want to thank each and everybody who's helped me in my career, whether it was my family, whether it was the fire service, whether it was friends. And uh, Mm -hmm. in the book, those of you who were uh, real mentors and role models, uh, John Ferry from FDNY, um, just, you know, Eric Berry, uh, my business administration, guy from Trenton, um, George Michelle, councilman. I mean, the list goes on and on. So I'm just going to do a blanket statement, and that's it. I'd like to thank everybody <laughs> in my career to get to this point, especially members of Kingston Fire Department, uh, Lloyd Masses, my, my main role buddy, um, Nottingham Fire Company, uh, Chief Stevie Bears, Kenny Freeman, all the people Nottingham, and most importantly, the Trenton Fire Department. Um had some good times and some bad times, but I wouldn't trade it for nothing in the world, and this is no big to any other fire department. The trip's Fire Department, we got some great firefighters uh, that do a great job day to day out, and I would not trade them for anybody in the world. Hmm. So with that being said, let's get it on.
0: Let's get it on. <laughs> uh, we got a couple callers. I'm going to bring them in and have them introduce themselves, and then we can go from there. Uh, one second. Okay. Callers, uh, two of you I'm bringing in. Uh, if you're still on the line there, introduce yourselves, and welcome to the Larry County Radio Show.
7: Hi, this is Bert Clark from Mount Airy, Maryland.
2: Mm. How's that? How's that? How's that?
7: Congratulations on the book, Lenny. That's wonderful. If nothing else, I have to call you up to say that. Fantastic, my friend. <laughs> Thank
6: you, Doctor Clark. I'm very appreciative. That, again, you were one of those people uh, that sort of helped me get to where I'm at.
0: Am I echoing? Do I need to do something? Uh, yeah, I believe so. You may, if you got uh, anybody has a. Device where they're listening also, if you have that up too loud, it might be, it an echo. Yeah,
7: I'm just, I'm on my phone. I have my earbuds in. Does that make a difference? Device where they're
4: listening. Not
0: normally, but I'm not sure.
7: Uh, I'm not on the webpage, just
6: on the telephone number. Tell mm-hmm. me, disconnect his earbuds. That'll probably be the issue.
1: All right, yeah,
4: it
3: might that. be the earbuds. Mm-hmm. How's that? Is that better? There you go. A mm-hmm. mm-hmm. lot better. Mm-hmm. A lot mm-hmm. better? better? Okay. I took the okay, earbuds I
7: out. I took the earbuds out. Mm-hmm. I can still hear the echo, though. I don't want it to be distracting.
6: You're good now. Okay. Yeah, I turned I guess, the earbuds off. Guess, yeah. That could have been it.
7: hmm well, and and uh, thank you, thank you for the opportunity to call in, and thank you for talking about Bobby. Uh, I'll just I'll come at it from a different direction, if I may. And uh, I, I knew Bobby pretty well. Uh, we ran into each other at FDIC. My first FDIC was in uh,
2: 1973.
7: Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm probably the senior citizen on this call. Bobby, the senior citizen, <laughs> listening to the show. Most
2: um, my,
7: my my first presentation at FDIC was in 1977. Wow. So FDIC has certainly been part of my um, career path. And and once once when I was listening to what you're saying about Bobby, um, Bobby was great. But Bobby's legacy is everybody that's on this phone call. Mm.
0: So that, mm. and I think
7: all of us understand that deep down, but when you get older, you realize what I personally accomplish, what Burt Clark accomplishes, that pales in the face of all the people I've had the opportunity to touch in my life and what they accomplish, because that's mm. the multiplier effect. And I think that's what gives <laughs> life meaning. And it, when you think of it that way, you know, it doesn't matter if you're the editor at Firehouse Magazine or a fire chief or the senior guy on a shift. You you can have impact on so many people around you. And that's, I'm sure that's the message Bobby would have wanted people to take away. I know that's the message and the legacy I want to try to leave when it's my time to go. And by the fact that you're writing a book, Lenny, I mean, you're doing that. You're, you're, mm-hmm. you, you are sending a message to the future. That, that's your um, longevity long after you're gone. And, and that, that could be a bigger contribution than any of us make right now. And we don't know that. We just do the best we possibly can now and then um, let our higher power take whatever light we put out there and let somebody else see it and brighten it and do their own thing. So um, yeah. uh, thank thank you, Lenny, uh, for letting me be in your life and you being in my life. And this is the first time I've called into the show. So uh, <laughs> th- that's, that's a new thing for me, too. And I think that's great. Mm-hmm. And um, do I, am I, you have to help me with your, about your guests. Uh, Elaine, is uh, yeah. Larry your actual son? Are you the mom on the show?
3: No, no, he's adopted. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> now, now the truth comes out. Now the
7: truth
2: comes out. Well, I, I just right, want to make
3: sure.
7: Right, I, right. Yeah, Hopefully I didn't mess thing. anything up because that would be a first. If we had a real mom <laughs> and son on the same show in the fire service, I mean, that that yep. would be monumental. And I, you well, know, it is, so. It is, a, it,
1: is a, it is a first and um my mom presented at FDIC a few years ago, too, so it was a mom and son duo. Well, we didn't do the same wow.
7: class, that, but we were that, both presenting, that,
1: so that was pretty cool. That,
7: that, that's, that's absolutely amazing. So um, mm. now, Lenny, I just want to hear about the book. I called in to hear about your book, buddy. What's the book all about?
6: Well, the bottom line is, and I think we're going to get into this a little later, but i get you a little bit of summary. Uh, the book is going right. to be called uh, Managing HR Issues in the Firehouse. And the basis behind the book was because going around teaching um, all over the United States, one of the things that I noticed was that there were a lot of company officers and even chief officers that uh, had an issue with managing, not handling, managing HR issues that come in the firehouse. Um, Documentation was a key factor. Uh, It's one Mm -hmm. thing we don't do in the fire service well, we don't document. So I started thinking about this this issue, so then I started taking some notes and interviewing people, so I came up with some research, and what I Hmm. found was the people that I researched, and I have over about 200 people ranging from uh, firefighter to sergeant all the way up to fire chief in every position in between, and 98% of them said nobody has ever given them any type of training on how to manage and deal with people. Hmm. So, I then took that. I then took that phenomenon, and while I was studying for a promotional exam, I had a little acronym that I had uh, called POISM: Preparation, Open, Investigate, Summarize, Evaluate, and Monitor. And I expanded on that acronym. And what I ended up doing through research is adding to that acronym over the last fifteen uh, to twenty years. And I finally started coming up with scenarios at different levels after hearing people talk, after asking them, as a lieutenant, what are some of the issues that you deal with in the firehouse? One of the biggest ones was just getting people to shape. Something as simple as that. So that then turned into uh, a scenario, and that scenario then turned into, okay, what are some key things, key points that we can use in order to uh, manage this HR issue, make it a win-win not only for the department, but for the company, for the officer, for the individual. And I took that same approach and looked at all the levels in the fire service, so sergeant, lieutenant, captain, time chief, division chief, district chief, deputy chief, assistant chief, and fire chief. And you can actually apply this model to each one of those positions with all issues ranging from uh, diversity, inclusion, um, LGBTQ, poor performance, feeling uh, in the firehouse, um, firefighters showing up late for work, it doesn't matter. The accident fits, and it's going to hit three target markets. It's going to hit the regular fire service, people with just general knowledge. It's going to really hit people studying for promotional exams. And third, it's looking at corporate America, because this model can be used with anything. Mm -hmm. So right now, that's uh, the book. probably going to be 100 scenarios in the book. Uh, The acronym is going to be in the book, and I hope to present it to Diane Feldman. I was going to present it to Chief Bobby Halton, but obviously that's not going to be possible. So my plan is, uh, after I get done my presentation... I hope Diane Feldman's in the room, and I'm going to present her the, uh, the rough draft of the book. And hopefully, I'm hoping that it's going to be out by Thanksgiving of this year. Hmm. Okay. Well, oh, that's,
7: I that's, that's great, Lenny. I mean, it certainly is needed. Uh, one of the things that we always found out at the Fire Academy was that the, the, the core of all the issues we face is all about people and the relationship between people and the relationship between the organization and the people. And there's always two sides of that. There's the, the administrative side, which is the technical paperwork. You know, you gotta, you gotta Mm. do your time sheets to make sure you get your overtime or your regular time or your sick leave or whatever. But then it's the relationship between people. And you get five people in a room, you got five different personalities, different ways of needing to be communicated, different motivation factors. and, whether it's on the fire ground or at the firehouse, you need to have those kinds of skill sets. Sometimes I think it's easier on the fire ground or at an emergency because our objectives are so clearly defined for us and we get immediate feedback individually and collectively. But when you're in the firehouse, you know, that's why when you walk into a firehouse, one firehouse is clean and the other one, you wouldn't want to use the bathroom. You know, that's so, but but both but both the companies work fine on the fire ground, and their fire truck looks fine, but there's some issues there that need to be addressed, and uh, so it's always about people. It's never about the paperwork. It's about the people, and um, that's why I think one of the most technical dynamics course, because that was all right. about people and how people get right. along together how to communicate with different types. Uh, And and the principal person responsible for that is whoever that supervisor is, whether you're the sergeant for the day or the lieutenant or the captain or the battalion chief, you've got 51% responsibility to meet the needs of your subordinates. And um, so the fact that you're giving them a tool to do that, that's
6: great. I applaud you for that. Thank you, Dr. Clark. I really appreciate that.
0: We got two other callers. We're bringing in now. Hold on, just a second. I'm gonna get them in. Um, Hold on, with the computer reboot. All right, there you go, callers. Welcome to the Larry Conley Radio Show. Uh, Got two of you coming in. Please introduce yourselves, and then uh, the floor is yours to give your comments uh, to chief caller.
8: Hello, this is Eric and Eloise Berry from uh, Palm Springs, California, calling. To uh, wish Lenny the great work, and um, he knows that uh, we spent some time in the trenches. Great access to anything, any of the fire organizations, but uh, this this book is going to be a, a definitely improvement on what's going on. So, um, Lenny, congratulations uh, from Eloise and I both. And if you want to tell a true story, you can tell a true story, and I'll and I'll vouch yeah. for you. Take well, care, buddy.
6: Well, first, first of all, thank you, Eric. Don't go nowhere yet. Don't you ain't getting off that easy. So you ain't getting all that <laughs> easy. So, all that easy. <laughs> I knew. Mm. So, um, Eric Berry um, came into the city of Trenton, um, and I tell you, in the midst of crisis, um, we actually had uh, a mayor um, who was. Uh, let's just say, being looked at with the FBI. Um, We had uh, financial issues. We had a city that was 7.5 square miles that was having a lot of crime, shootings, deaths, and, I mean, everything that you can imagine. And um, just to give you an indication, I dealt with eight different business business, (laughs) business administrators in 10 and a half months. The last one I dealt with was Sam Hutchison. He was the ninth, but Eric Berry was the eighth. And when I met Eric, um, he had had a lot of public safety experience and a lot of administrative municipal experience. So when he he came into his, uh, you know, how they bring you in the city council and they have to vet you and they start asking all these questions. Well, One of the council people asked him, um, uh, you're you're going to be the eighth business administrator, and Eric said something to the effect of, well, eight is enough, and everybody (laughs) fell out laughing,
2: (laughs) fell out laughing,
6: and this was back in early uh, 2012, in the summer of 2012, I believe. Well, we had Hurricane Sandy come in. And me and Eric were down in the bunker because uh, obviously there were other issues going on where Eric was the key official in charge. And Eric looked at me and said, look, man, I, I, I need some help. I got this going on. And I said, Eric, don't worry, I got you. And not only did we get our Trenton Incident Management Team with the Incident Action Plan, the EOC was up and running. We had 342 stack calls because we actually did a do-not-respond policy because the winds were so bad. And once we got back up and rolling, it was like a well-oiled machine. Yeah. But Eric Berry, I got to tell you, when we had a city in crisis, he was the shining light for the city of Trenton. And it's a, it's a shame that he didn't stay. He, he went on to greener <laughs> pastures. But at the end of the day, not only do I call him a, a really good mentor, a role model, I call him my friend. And, he's, and you're a great human being, brother. And uh, you know what we went through down in that bunker for, for, for 28 hours during Hurricane Sam. You know.
8: You know. Yes, I do. So yes, yes, I do. I and this is the reason why I, I wanted you to tell that story is because people, they don't want to see, they don't want to hear a sermon. They want to see one. And you were definitely on point. I didn't have to worry about anything but getting you the money for what you needed to do and this is what people need to know that if, if you're instructing them in a, in a way to do something you've been on the ground you've been in the trench you know what it's like and they need to listen to you so I'm very proud of you and this is the reason why I don't even know you by Lenny; I just call you chief because are a lot of chiefs in the fire department so you always answer the chief you'll always be my chief <laughs>
6: Oh, thank you, man. You're too kind. I appreciate that. Thank you very much.
8: Good luck with the book, buddy. Eloise says hi. See ya.
6: All right. All right. Thanks, D Wow. You know, you uh you never really know how much you appreciate it. And um you know, it's just I'm just very thankful that God has put a lot of these people in my life. I have to check that. There are a couple other people that
0: I brought on. Anybody who, uh, you know, had something to say is a good time. Sure, Hello? sure. Oh. Hello?
6: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hello?
5: Is Dwayne Dwayne Godwell here? Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh, my name is Dwayne Godwell. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, the deputy chief of Fairfax County and have been a that's long-time associate uh, yeah, yeah. and ally for
0: Chief um, Carmichael. <coughs> well, that's why we've I'm been. That's why Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh.
5: Go ahead. Oh, okay. Okay. Because I hear, I'm hearing some other voices. I'm sorry. So, uh, we've been talking about this book for many, many years, <laughs> as he's alluded to, and uh, having gone through the ranks of. Uh, you know, uh, in, in our organizations, we've encountered a lot of things. But as he was developing this book, one of the things that I always told him and I told uh, people in the fire service, part of the challenges that we have is that we fail to prepare uh, people mm. to do these jobs. And he mentioned his acronym, and I've always followed an acronym myself uh, that's, that was with, with the instructor's manual. It's uh, preparation, presentation, application, and evaluation.
2: Good. And
5: if we don't have structured training programs or uh, opposite development schools, most of our people are getting their experience from OJT, which means that they're turning around and collecting experiences from role models, mentors, colleagues, and then they're trying to put it all together. And that's what becomes a challenge and i say i try to tell lenny about staying focused on that acronym because what's amazing in today's work environment and we're still continuing to see a lot of changes is that people that are structured and want to hold those people accountable for doing their job or not doing their job are the outliers they're the ones that are considered the problems and the challenges versus those that don't do them. And a lot of situations that we see, people try to delegate the duties and responsibilities of line. So hopefully what Lenny is doing is putting together a template and a model for people to understand that. But if they don't apply it and then they don't do their evaluations, We're just kind of like hamsters on a wheel. We're running in circles, and we've had this conversation many, many years.
6: Yeah, and Mm -hmm. uh, spot on with uh, what he talked about. So let me give you a little bit of background about Chief Outwell. You know, he's from a a small little town in northern Virginia (laughs) called Fairfax (laughs) County, and uh, he he was actually the deputy fire chief uh, retired from Fairfax County. And when I met when I first met Chief Dodwell was actually down at the National Fire Academy in Emmitsburg, Maryland. He was a captain, and at Fairfax, he had his Tango hat on, walking across the campus. And, and, and if you see him, he's, he's a rather tall and, and large brother. Well, I mean by large, I mean he's very noticeable. He's big. So I walked up to him, introduced myself. I said, "How you doing?" He said, "Hey, I'm Dwayne Dodwell and we were friends ever since. Hmm. And when I was going for my battalion chief exam, I called him up and I said, look, man, you got anything uh, that oh you can help me with? And he said, well, when can you come down? And I said, I can be down. You just give me a time. He said, all right, you need to be here. And he starts his day early. I had to be at the academy at 530 in Fairfax in the morning. <laughs> so I got down there and he said, okay, tell me about your test. And uh, I went and told him about the test. He said, just wait here. So uh, he put up a scenario, and he said, okay, you got 10 minutes. So I went through my spiel, thought I did okay. He called me up like a Christmas turkey. You missed this, you missed that. You should have said this. You should have said that. You need to think about this. And I said, man, I don't know if I can take two more hours of this stuff. So then finally... Uh, we did some more scenarios, and uh, we finally said a couple more sessions And I think you're going to be okay. And mm-hmm. uh, Chief Dodwell is one of the reasons why, you know, I was able to move up in the fire service and, and be where I'm at today. And if it wasn't yep. for him and some of his sacrifices, seeing something in me that I didn't see in myself, I wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Chief. I, I, I am very appreciative of what you did for my career.
5: That's no problem, man. You know, as I've always said, you know, the, the, our mission is to take what we can because <clears throat> uh, I, I heard Mr. Conley mentioned about EDI. I went to EDI in 1995, and for those that may not know uh, or haven't heard, that uh, Chief Herschel Clady passed away mm. um, yeah, here recently. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. but he, he's the reason why I ended up at, at EDI and like i said i started in 95 and what they taught me at that time was that my mission was to bring the future into the fire service what i learned from that five years that i was there that and at that time i was now 15 years i, I, I hit the field in 84 so i was 11 years and then by the time i finished. I, for myself, realized that I was not the future of the fire service. So my mission became to prepare the future. And we started doing training sessions uh, around the country, throughout the region. And our motto was, um, welcome to the war room. We're making chiefs is our business, and business is good. And I've been doing that ever since. Hmm. There you go, there you go. I
1: might, I might have to steal that one. I like that. I like that.
5: (laughs) (laughs) So, so he's he's doing his thing. He's taking it on just like Dr. Uh, Clark said. This is going to be his legacy. Uh, Not only is he educating people through through his classes and and his incident management uh, uh, activities and things along that line, but he's put something in writing that will be utilized as a resource for the, for the years to come.
9: Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day,
5: none of these, none of these issues that he has or he's covering in his book are anything different. They're all the same. It's just how you manage them, the system that you have to support that, and how you go about your business and being willing to stand firm on the decisions that you make. So
6: congratulations, sir. Proud of you. Thank you, Chief Dowell. I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one more
0: call. I'm gonna bring in. Uh, Just a second. All right, thank you for calling the Larry County Radio Show. You're on the air. Who are we talking with?
10: You're talking to Lloyd Mathis from Ewing, New Jersey.
6: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I hear some chuckles in the background. My man. So, uh, so, Chief,
10: just just so you're aware, I, uh, I my family may have been somewhat involved in Chief Carmichael joining the fire service. Um, he actually had a key to my house and joined my volunteer fire department back in the 1980s before he got mm-hmm. on the Trenton Fire Department and volunteered and went to fire school before he became a career firefighter, and my mother actually sat down sat him down at our kitchen table to fill out his application to the Trenton Fire Department. Mm. So uh, Chief wow. Carmichael and I have been friends for over 30 years, and yeah. uh, as he uh, as he did his thing um, in the Trenton Fire Department, I was still volunteering, and the roles kind of reversed as we were young men because, yeah. um, you know, I may have given Lenny his start in the fire service, but he well exceeded, Um, any, any kind of expectation you could think about. And uh, then he became my mentor as I moved up the ranks in my volunteer fire department. So, um, but I, uh, one of the things I wanted to say was that Lenny was the reason why I went to the National Fire Academy. And as a matter of fact, a quick shout out to Dr. Dennis O'Neill, who's the retired uh, deputy United States Fire Administrator and the former superintendent. Um, when I got on the grounds to the National Fire Academy, I had class my first day, white-haired gentleman walks up to me uh, in the pub, sits down with a beer and goes, hi, I'm Dennis O'Neill, I run the place. Said Lenny Carmichael told me to come look for you. And then that was kind of the beginning of my journey through the National Fire Academy, um, not only in my as a volunteer fire chief, but in my full-time career, I was an arson investigator in the county prosecutor's office in mercer county which includes the city of Trenton, so while lenny was burning things up i was investigating him um, <laughs> so um yeah. it, you know the the but the interesting thing was is that um lenny did a lot of introductions to young people to go to national fire academy and it was almost like dr o'neill was waiting with open arms to try to say hey you're, you're part of the family here now and that led to a lot of people and even me and my volunteer fire department taking guys or sending guys to the National Fire Academy for training and the principles of leadership and the fire ground operations that guys were learning at the National Fire Academy they were implementing in their departments and neighboring departments. So that, um, that whole um, mindset of passing it on to the you know guys behind you was critically important to a lot of our success and and I will say this um you know lenny knows uh, lenny i had h r even in the little volunteer fire department that I had thirty volunteers in there are h r issues that can be monumental tasks because they come up, and some of the most unthinkable things you can think of right so You know, um, the interesting thing is that Lenny's acronym kind of works for, you know, very large departments. It works for medium-sized departments like Trenton. It could even work for volunteers. So I'm excited to see the final product um, because I know he's got a lot of research in this area and he's talked to a lot of folks. Um, You know, even me on, on some things that cropped up and how did you handle this and why did you make this decision over that decision? So I'm really excited about the book, and I'm really looking forward to reading it um, because I think it's going to give people the um, you know let's let's put it this way. There's a lot of battle scars that are that were suffered by a bunch of folks to help come with all all the content that's coming out in this book.
3: Mm. Great.
6: Well, Lloyd, uh, thank you again for that. so Those wonderful words, and now I'm going to talk because when I tell you you got to have a ride or die, this is the best example, or one of the best examples of my ride or die. Um, me and him met at Jesse's nightclub back in the day, <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say about that.
0: I got the Jesse's out there too. Right, them Got one here in St. Louis.
6: He had a Ford Escort GT hatchback, and man, we were just getting like, we go and go to eat and everything. But he was the best man at uh, at my wedding. He was my my daughter's godfather, uh, and he's he's like my brother, and we've had a lot yeah. of good times. And um, I can't thank his mother and uh, his father for allowing me to be in their presence. And uh, mom even said it, and and mom is no longer here, but she said, Lenny, um, you're going to do great things. I just don't know what they are. And uh, she really gave me a lot of encouragement and motivation. She was another person I could call on when things weren't going good. And she would sit there and listen, and she'd say, well, you just have to put it in God's hand, and are going to make everything okay. And, you, uh, also oh. could, you also got a lot of free meals, too, but we won't go that. <laughs> that's true.
10: That's, that's true. <laughs> Man, I got a problem, Can't you, you know that. Yeah, Boy, that, uh, that was one thing. That's one thing I will say. My mother, anytime you was having a problem, it'd be like, come over here for a good home cooked meal, and at
6: least you'll be full when before you make a decision. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh Lloyd, I really thank you, brother, for all your leadership and your help and uh you know, you're my ride or die. Um, listen, it go so. listen, that
10: goes both ways and, and you know, that's the thing that people don't understand. Nobody nobody takes a journey by themselves. When they they don't a lot of people don't understand when you make the choice to be a leader, there's a there's an awesome amount of responsibility that, that comes with that. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of pain that comes with it too, because you know, you're, anytime you're dealing with people, somebody's not going to be happy, yeah. right? Yeah, I'm, su- I'm quite sure when you show up to a fire scene, the person's house who's on fire is not happy, right? Mm-hmm. So not everybody's always going to be happy when you make the decisions that you have to make in a leadership position. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just a fact of life. And, uh, you know, Colin Powell said in his book, you know, when things aren't going right, you know, you, sometimes your decisions are bad. Terrible or or horrible. He said try not to pick horrible, right? Mm-hmm. So you got sometimes you have to pick the lesser of the evils to be able to make the right decision and um, You know, like I said chief chief Carmichael's done a lot of research on this. He's had some growing pains with this um, To be able to to get to the point where he's you know got it down on paper and he's got a, a, a system that will work and help you through a lot of your HR issues, um, and I'm just excited to to uh, to uh, get a copy of the book. And just so you know, Leonard, there's about 15 people that are listening tonight that have already texted me and said, do you think Lenny will autograph a copy of that for me? I'd like to get a copy of the book. So
2: they're <laughs> an, they're
10: anxiously awaiting for this thing to come out. No worries. No worries. Tell them, tell them that is not a problem. Oh, oh I know. I know. But... I just wanted to let you know that it, it's generated some interest and, and people are, are listening. Um you know, here back here at home. But uh, you know, you know, I wish you the best of luck. I know this the book is gonna be successful. Um and I just wanted to call in to uh you know, give the caller some background on you know, the growing pains of, you know, some of the H R issues that Happen to you and me and other folks that are probably all going to be incorporated in this book because it's not easy. Yeah.
6: Anytime yeah, you're, you're right. dealing with people and personalities, it's not easy. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So, um, but I'm very appreciative of those words, my brother. I love you, man, and uh, thank you
10: for calling in. I really do
6: appreciate it. Mm.
10: And my wife wanted me to say that when you uh, come back through New Jersey, stop by for a meal. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's true.
6: Food. I know I got to bring Chinese food and sushi. I'm already aware of that. Yeah, there, aware. there you go. All
10: right, well, take no. care, brother, and I'll be listening to the rest of the show. All right, thanks, Lord. I really appreciate that. Not a problem, brother. Anytime.
11: Hey, hey, Larry. It's Aaron Heller here. Yes, sir. How uh, are you uh, guys?
0: Uh, what? <laughs> hey, what's going on?
11: Hey, yeah. Uh, so, Lenny, congratulations, my friend. It's uh, it's long overdue for you to be putting putting all of this work and all of your lifelong experience in the fire service, especially in the administrative side of it, onto paper and and giving giving something so important back to everybody. I'm I'm really thrilled to see it, man. Well, thanks, Aaron. I I really appreciate it, bro. And uh, by
6: the way, congratulations on your retirement. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. I told you it's life on the other side, and hopefully you're enjoying it just as well as I am. Um, Just to tell you about Aaron Heller, or Chief Heller, we first met when I was a member of Nottingham, and me and Aaron played softball together. Now, when I tell you this softball team was about as dysfunctional as almost the... uh, Chicago Bulls, when they had Dennis Robin, is an understatement. Um, but when we lived on uh, Brook Drive, the best member I, I remember of Aaron and the team, we were playing in the Mercer County Softball Tournament. And we played, it was, it, was, it was in July, and we were out there at 7 o'clock in the morning playing softball. Well, we won the game. We won our first two games. And the next game wasn't until... So it was 1030 um, in the morning. They said, what are we going to do? I said, I know. Everybody come back to the house and jump in the pool. So they came back to my house. They jumped in the pool. We ate and everything. And now you got to understand something. Um, With all the food and the swimming, it's now almost 3 o'clock. So we had all the uniforms washed. We get ready, you know warm up, go back on the field, well, we shouldn't have went in the pool because we got, we got beat the last that, that one night, right? And then yeah. uh, we came back the next day and try still beat us again. So yeah. the bottom line yeah. is if you're in a softball tournament and you're winning, you know, don't wash nothing, don't get in the pool, just stay at the field and maybe you'll win the whole thing. Yeah. But we had stay
11: off great times. Stay off the adult beverages, you know. <laughs> Well, well, so with well, that, uh, with with yeah, that, uh, awesome. well, with that, I'll tell you. You know, you talk about the term brotherhood in the fire service is often uh, overused. Honestly, it really can be at times. But i like Lenny said, we've known each other since back in the volunteer days. Um, we, I, I don't know, we we might have met even at, at Mercer County College. It was so long ago, back in the '80s. But uh, yeah. When, when we we all kind of grew up together in the Mercer County Fire Service, and, and Lenny went on to do really great things in the City of Trenton, and uh, he he had a really you know some people are going to say well it was it was what it was, but he had a rough road to hoe, and uh, like every other leader that's out there, they love you or they don't, but uh, there's a whole lot of guys that still have jobs because of what Lenny did in the Trenton Fire Department and, and the, the dedication to his people. So writing a book on HR, you know, he, he was in the trenches, man, and that that says everything. But going back to the brotherhood part of it, I'll tell you this. I, uh, I was part of Hamilton Township Fire Department for almost 33 years, uh, where Lenny started as a volunteer. Uh, in uh, 2020, we consolidated, became a, uh, a one big municipal fire department, uh, kind of on almost to the size of Trenton, close to it on manpower wise, and uh, it became probably the biggest challenge of my life as a, as a professional and as a chief for sure. Things didn't go right for quite a bit of that time, but uh, the one guy that I could always count on to give me a call just out of the blue was Lenny. The phone would ring and I'd see it and I'd say, well, we're going to have a pep talk, and and Lenny would talk to me and you know, pick my brain and tell me what he thought and give me real good advice. And, uh, just that level of brotherhood is, is unspoken at times, but it means the world. And that's who Lenny Carmichael is. And that's why I'm, I'm really pleased. And and I'm really proud of you, man, that you're going to write, write this and, and get it out there. God knows my last six months, I, I was like, uh, you know, in the township HR office every day, just about, it seemed like, so, or at least being talked about there. So, uh, uh, I'm I'm so thankful that you're doing it, pal, and uh, I wish you nothing but good. I appreciate that, and uh,
6: like I said, uh,
11: Aaron, you you know,
6: you were the fire chief of Groveville. and you know, that's 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 one thing in itself, and you were also a career there, and then you were fortunate enough to move up, and uh, once you moved up and you got your promotion, um, it, you you never changed. You were still the same Aaron Heller that I knew as a chief. And and that's one of the things, you know, I can say about everybody on this phone call that called in. They're real people. They never change. And, and again, that comes back to Bobby Halton. Bobby Halton was that person that looked at us, and he never changed. And if you look at um, the fruits of Bobby's labor, you look at all those people that called in. I mean, he didn't know uh, Eric Berry. He met Lloyd Mathis, he knows you, Aaron. You know, yep. uh he's met Dwayne Dodwell. And I mean it's you know, like like, like uh my man said in Hulam, either you know or you don't know. But Bobby <laughs> knew. Bobby knew and, and this is these are just some of the people whose lives that he touched. You know, so like I said, we're gonna come to F D I C and celebrate Bobby. We are gonna show up and we're gonna show out. And Aaron, you you're gonna be one of those people, man. So I thank you for calling in, my brother, and I appreciate the uh, um, the the support. And uh, you know, I love you, my
11: man, and I'll see you at FDIC. Absolutely, love you too, man. And, and Larry, thank you for this opportunity. It was great seeing you, even though it was for such a such a tough case, you know, last month when we were all together. But uh, yeah. it's it's nothing but an honor to be part of that that circle, you know, and and. Uh, I wish you guys nothing good, and uh, I got to jump, but love you guys, and I'll, I'll see you soon. Yeah, see Thanks, brother. All right, guys, I'll
0: see you.
1: All right. <clears throat> um, so, now we can get to the book. now. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> you got Lenny, you got a um, great circle of friends and Brotherhood and, and the whole association is, um, you know, I realize it's going to be a success just by the buzz it's creating right now that um, everybody called in. So and I'm sure there's, you know, millions more. <laughs> but I uh, want to make sure that um, when the book comes out, they can't help but help because at the end of the day, and we, people have been to our class probably hear us say, you know, people think that we are exclusively in the firefighting business. We're in the people business. We just have right. to have a special set of skills, <laughs> but we're in, the, right. we're in the people business <clears throat> and, uh, and being in the people business, we help people with our skill set. <clears throat> but before you hit them streets, you got to know how to take care of your team at your respective fire department, because if that's not right, then you got to be able to get it right in the streets. And I say that all the time, get it right at your department and get it right at home first get that good home training as um we, we grew up with and we could that good home training. Then uh I, I was telling the story one when we did our class <clears throat> last time I said <laughs> I used to try to uh, um um with my crew sometimes it reminded me of my mother when we pull up at Kmart and she had we already had a good home training but she'll look back in the car and say, Well we get in here don't touch nothing, don't ask for nothing, don't whatever. We, here, we had a special set of rules and stuff. And we knew. And people walked in with their kids, running all over the place. We were well-mannered and all that. And my mother would say, see, they ain't got good home training. And then people look at us and say, we had good home training. So I said the same mm-hmm. thing at the fire scene. When you show up and your crew does what it's supposed to do and what it's trained to do and what you disciplined to do, that's good home training. When you see crews right. of people freelancing and doing their own thing and yelling back at authority and, and not practicing safe practices to uh, mitigate the circumstances, they got bad home training. So uh, get their good home training down pat. And books like uh, what we're going to talk about now is going to help with their good home training. So our department, um, is any department is ready to serve the public <clears throat> like we were paid to do. Um, Chris. So, Chris. I think you. I, I, yes, ma'am. Chris. Yes.
3: I had a book too. He got a book. Okay, I had a book. Okay, I'm just.
1: Yeah, you uh, sure. Go. I remember <laughs> the book. That's, an, that's another story. You to hit it. It's called A W. Yeah, it's the phone. It's called
0: the phone book. <laughs> 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 it can leave a mark. It be the mark. <laughs> whatever book <laughs> can be. Right, whatever book hey, it There's there. a the, the, the Psychopedia it. Britannia, you
6: know. Yeah, this is the lady. This is the latest nickname was <laughs> hand, whatever she can't right, right, hand. Right, right,
0: right, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she's why we're so smart. We're book smart. You are that? Yeah, he's not to do it again. It's so book smart. One time, she, one time she, beat me with the Bible. It's like hitting me with the word. You know? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. 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 Exactly.
0: Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got, right We got hit with the back of the Bible They're called Revelation <laughs> <laughs> Right, exactly you know mm-hmm. No, that's right
3: well,
0: Okay, we're
3: just, okay No, not to do okay. that
0: again <laughs> right, you know. Let's Let, let you me talk, talk about, about uh, it uh, We're, we're going <laughs> to let Chief Court
1: Michael Talk about this book we, <laughs> see, we could do this all night, but we're not so. Oh, yeah,
10: yeah. yeah. But At the end of the day At the <laughs> end of the
0: day, look it's how
2: it turned out At the end of the day, Mm-hmm.
1: So many. So anyway, the uh, uh, the book I um, understand is a uh, is going to be, you know, not just a book that you read, but a book that you should keep <clears throat> with you at all times to reference, mm-hmm. um, to uh, use as a guide, to um, um, you know, just really be part of any uh, book toolbox that any successful officer would have. And if uh, you face something that you're not sure of, you can always reference it and, and go into it. So kind of give us, if you were, <clears throat> your, your your vision or your idea of how this book should be used, Um, in, in kind of in a few words, what would you say is the best way to describe your vision of how somebody would use this book, um, Chief?
6: Um, reference? Mm-hmm. guidance, and knowledge. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah, Reference, yeah. guidance, and
3: knowledge. Mm-hmm.
6: Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, I'm going to ask this question to you, Larry, and, and you know, again, and also um, to your brother. You know, when you got became a supervisor, did the department give you any training on how to deal with HR issues? Hmm. That included documentation, um, dealing with situations, and being able to manage them, whether it be following up with your supervisor or um, instilling progressive discipline or positive coaching. Has that, did that ever happen?
1: No.
8: No, it wasn't
1: intentional. It was assumed because, you know, they touch on that when you do the assessment test. So I guess they figure like when you do the assessment, you pass the assessment, you should automatically just know how to do it. But you're not nowhere near proficient at it. You just know enough to pass the test, which is yeah. not the same thing as effectively mitigating the HR issues.
6: Right, right. So with that being said, you know, I think a lot of the fire departments, people that I talk to, they're setting – chief officers, company officers, and firefighters up to fail because they're not giving Mm. you the skill set. I think it's very ironic that we can train firefighters to put out fires. We can train them in ICS. We can even train them in HAZMAT. But we don't train them on how to manage people when they have some type of issue. Um, If you look in this day and age, when you look at um, firefighters who are having mental issues, firefighters who are dealing with PTSD and critical incident stress, um, firefighter suicide is up. These are issues in the fire service. And see, it's the elephant in the room because nobody wants to talk about it. But at the end of the day, it's okay to bust chops in the firehouse. I get it. But when it comes to the point where it's bullying or being uh, ganged up on, First thing people say is well, you know, you, you know, you got to be able to take it. You got to be able to say, "Okay, you can take it. I get that." However, if you bless it, you can it. There's certain times when somebody in a lead position has to say, "Hey, enough is enough." Knock it off. What you're going to find in this book is that there's going to be some tough situations. There's going to be some discriminate discrimination scenarios going to be some uh, LGBTQ issues, uh, sexual harassment, all the key things that we talk about in the fire, fire department, in the fire service. If you are confronted with that, how do you handle it? Do you just not say anything and hope it will go away? Again, I'm going to personally share something on uh, this webcast is that I was involved in two uh, very nasty discrimination lawsuits in the city of Trenton. And in both lawsuits, one went to court uh, and one was settled out of court. But I will tell you, documentation was a key of both of those mm-hmm. cases. And the last reason why I'm really writing this book is to, have chief officers, company officers, and even firefighters have a protection of things to do so they can protect themselves from unruly people. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is people who want to try to take advantage of a situation. Um, This book is going to bring out discussion, and it's maybe going to cause some disagreements, but that's one of the main reasons why I'm writing this book. Some people may like it, some people may not. It's your mm-hmm. opinion.
1: Yeah, there's gonna be that's gonna but, be anyway. Um, we're but, gonna um, we got one we got one caller, another caller. Then we're gonna um, get that caller, and then we're gonna um, start to wrap it up with. Um, and you can get some examples out the book. We've got two great examples of I want to discuss mm-hmm. um with you and then uh, just to give people um example of what to expect out of the book. Um, David, go ahead and bring down who who's messed up. Uh
0: Terry, go ahead. You're um you're live.
9: Good evening, Terry Reed, Baltimore County Fire. So one, one of the things i <laughs> one of the things I want to start <laughs> off by is thanking Keith Conley. And Chief Carmichael, this is a a very valid and awesome topic. Um, Mother Mm -hmm. Elaine, this is your potty mouth, so (laughs) she's going (laughs) to tell us how it is. And on the days I'm here to represent, so a couple Mm -hmm. things I want to say. I I sit back and I listen to everything that we're talking about, and it's just it's just all so valid points. So Chief Carmichael. You know, I love you and I respect you. Keep striving. Um, These are going to be touchy points with people, and they're going to agree to disagree or what have you, but we'll allow them to do that. Um, As I go to Chief Conley, thank you for uh, representing and putting this on a platform for us because a lot of people don't get the concept or understand it. Um, Mother Elaine, thank you for being that, that boundary for us, that, you know, that sole portion for us to do the things we need to do. And Uncle Dave, keep doing what you do. I love you and thank you for being supportive. So all in all, right the fire service is a unique um, entity and it's so many ways that you can look at the fire service. But at the end of the day, um, Chief Carmichael has a book coming out that has summed up the fire service and summed up the behavior that some people may say, "Oh, it's good or not good." But, for mm-hmm. keep doing what you do. I love you and I thank you for everything you do, not just for the fire service but for me as well.
4: Well, Terry, Terry,
6: thank you very much. I'm going to talk about my other road dog, Terry Reed from Baltimore County. Um, Terry is uh a definite role model. And when I first met Terry, um I'm gonna come around right and say Terry wasn't too confident. And I said, Terry, why aren't you confident? And she said, Well, I just you know, I just I just I just wanna be a I just wanna be a lieutenant. I said, Really? You just happy being a lieutenant? Yeah, you know. So I said, well, that ain't good enough for me. It might be good enough for you, but that ain't good enough for me. So me and Terry got together. And every time I saw her we always got together and worked together. And uh now she's Captain Terry Reed. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Again, if you if you go along you pull along. And Terry, you've been a real inspiration for me. You've always been a really good supportive Peace, and uh, I wish you nothing but the best of luck. And um you ever need anything, you know where I'm at. So I'm proud of you and your accomplishments. Thank you for supporting me, and thank you for supporting the book.
9: I thank you for all cool. your love and support. I do appreciate you. I've learned a lot from you. And one of the key things is learning a lot from someone is listening not listening to respond, but listening to understand and that was part of training as you progress in your career so that's one of the things I learned from you, like you would like Terry stop, and I was listening to respond and didn't under- I didn't realize that at first, but now I listen to understand. So I thank you for guiding me in that direction. To like, whoa, you you slowed it down, and I caught on understand on top of you explaining the thought process to me. So I really do thank you for that.
6: Well, you're welcome, and good luck to you. Mm-hmm. And I have to
1: say, just to kind of piggyback on what Terry was saying, one of the things that. Um, I don't know if it could stuck here or something. I um, talked to Chief Court Michael at FDIC, and we were talking about the whole uh, promotional process and all that. And he um, said, what's next up? And I said, but Tyler, are you ready for that? And I was like, well, yeah, we're trying to build. You know, we've got a lot of political issues and stuff going on in the city, so it's kind of iffy whether we we're going to be able to do it or not. <clears throat> but mm-hmm. from then on, he just started calling me chief. So it's gonna happen. You just, you know, but you got to believe in it first. So it sounded kind of hokey and kind of corny, like you know, I'm just gonna start calling the chief. It'd be like y'all, this the next chief, this the next chief. He's gonna be a chief. And um, so, <clears throat> uh, as it would have it, you know, it wasn't always in the course in, in where I was working, just because there's a lot of factors in in the whole promotion process, some good and some bad, when you're dealing with the politics in the um, city of St. Louis. So I figured, you know, maybe, maybe not, who knows. But then one day, <laughs> when you become the chief, it wasn't necessarily in St. Louis. It was kind of a a, a manifestation of you calling me. There. He was one of the first people to just call me that without any kind of Reason to, you know, you didn't know all the politics. You didn't know you just say, "I believe it's gonna happen." And But we were saying too, but we didn't know it was gonna be deputy. chief, So who knew? <laughs> but anyway, just go. Take you back, Chief Cumming. If but, I can say know, this, one calling, thing about Michael, you know. go ahead.
0: Go ahead.
9: He he inspired me to, you know, he he pushed me and he challenged me to move up another rank. Like, he, mm-hmm. he, he told you I was happy. I'm a lieutenant, you know, and he was like, no, that's not good enough. And he put me to the challenge, and I had to show him better. I could tell him, oh, no, that's not what we're doing. And the whole time I didn't realize that he sent back like, yeah, that's what I want you to do. You know, I, it didn't dawn on me. It just put me up to the challenge to move up that step, and a lot of people don't understand how valuable that inspiration is. Like I just went with the flow. I was like, "Oh, you ain't gonna beat me." And and Mother Elaine, you already know your little potty mouth. You already know me. I'm gonna be up against. I'm I'm gonna go, but. Yep, Chief Carmichael just kept me striving, and I'm like, some of them days I was like, why, do I, why did do, do all this? He he wouldn't explain. It. I told you why from the beginning. Get it done, and those mm. were the the words and the inspirations that I wrote on. Mm. And for me to be where I am now is is impeccable. And and I know I still have work to do because he already told me. Oh, we ain't stopping here. I'm like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> I don't. no, no. We're not stopping here. So I turn around and say, I still have work to do. Um, as I told you about Larry, he he has been an inspiration, but Lenny has he'd be on my back so that i like oh, he don't leave me alone, but I get it, I understand. <laughs> He wants me to be successful. He wants me to do the right things. And I know that these two gentlemen, I can call them like, hey, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. And they'll give me a perspective to put things in order versus some people will put me in perspective for me to fail.
2: Mm-hmm. Number
9: one, because I'm a woman. And amongst other things, that's what they'll do. Mm-hmm. But I know I can reach out to these gentlemen and they will make sure my sex is- my success is the best so I appreciate it. But I love you gentlemen thank you so much for everything you've done with me. All right no thank worries.
1: you Terry. Good luck to you. There.
9: Um, mm-hmm. uh, we got a couple
1: more callers but before we get to that let's summarize. You got the scenario too the lieutenant su- supervision scenario. You want to kind of briefly right. um, uh, summarize that um, chief?
8: Yeah go ahead. <clears throat>
1: Um, so I talked about um, how you know, a lieutenant, um, somebody's re- recently promoted to a lieutenant of the department, and um, um, where you're, you're in charge of Engine 10, downtown section of the city. Um, high number of commercial buildings that includes residential offers, high rises. Single family dwellings mostly consist of single row and Semi-detached structures um, and how it's, uh, it's one of the busiest in the city because it is centrally located. <clears throat> um, anyway, well, let's get down to where the personal issues may come in. Um, the policy states that all members shall be clean shaven or to maintain a proper seal on the SCPA. And hair should not be longer than the shoulder length. And you take the policy with you for the 8 o'clock roll call. So all the firefighters are there. And when you conduct the roll call, you notice that one of the firefighters not shaved within the last week has a small beard and still has his hair that's too long with a ponytail past his shoulder down his back. And when you ask him about the hair, <clears throat> he tells you he was off fishing last two days and he do it the first chance to get the morning before lunch. So ask the lieutenant within the company uh to meet with this firefighter and the firefighter he's been on the job for about twenty years and uh He's been an excellent firefighter on his assignment with his ladder coming to 12. And um, his previous captain rolled him up due to lack of grooming etiquette, which results in a new policy change. Also, he was one of the ones that had his name on the policy. Every new policy has somebody's name on it. You don't know the fire service. So so you need to meet with him at the roll call to discuss this issue and relating to his non-compliance and grooming policy. So I guess the question is, how do you handle that?
6: Okay. So one of the first things that you need to do is, what are the actions that we need to take right now? And the bottom line is you need to define the problem. Obviously, he's not clean-shaven, and obviously he has a ponytail that is not within the rules and regulations of the fire department. So that's basically going to start with, You need to also do your research at this point. What are some of the SOPs, SOGs? What are some of the um, other issues I need to look at, such as regulations, maybe there's state regulations, local, county, that we need to take into effect? All this stuff you need to have up front before you even talk with this firefighter. So at this point in time, the next thing we need to do is gather facts. Wanna write some things down and jot some things down. Set up a meeting. Have this firefighter come into your office. And at this point, what you want to try to do is get his side of the story because you get the facts before the acts. It says here in the policy what should happen. And at this point in time, there does not need to be any type of, you know, union intervention and say look i need you to shave this reason why you need to shave and explain the importance of why talk about the seal on the face mask it's a safety issue at that point you're going to have to ask him to shave now maybe he has a medical accommodation accommodation if he does he should have the paperwork will be cleared by a physician which is also should be cleared by the medical department of your fire department. If that's not the case, then he is not in compliance with the department of policy, and you as the officer at that point, what does your policy set? And this is another thing that this book is going to bring out. What is your policy?
3: I have now, a question. Yes, ma'am. So is it just in general the policy that you're supposed to be clean shaven, and and your hair is supposed to be at a certain length? Is that right?
6: That is that is correct. Okay. You have some fire departments that have different policies. You have some fire departments okay. that have different policies. The reason so why
3: he got,
6: the reason he got why you should be clean shaven.
3: He got hired with a with a beard and a, and a, and a ponytail.
6: Uh, no. So in other words, when when you first come on a job, you're all clean shaven. That's the policy. Okay. Now, it is up to you, you know, you when you come to work is to make sure you're prepared for duty.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay.
6: Now, the reason why it's a safety issue is because the um un, the the not being clean shaven violates the seal on the S C B A, which mm-hmm. therefore makes a safety issue now you have had some people uh that actually have a condition when they shave that causes them to break out and they can only shave maybe say once every seven days or eight days versus shaving mm-hmm. when they're on demand some people don't have that issue
10: mm-hmm. however
6: in this case the policy states that you shall be clean shaven and your hair should be a certain length now The reason I wrote the scenario this way is because people will sit and say, well, well, if this happens and if that happens, the scenario is what it is. If you are the officer in charge of this scenario, what are you going to do? And, again, a lot of that is based on your department policy. But if you're reading the scenario, all the information is in there. He either has to shave or there's going to be a problem. And if he's not willing to shave, then at that point, that's insubordination.
2: Hmm.
6: And if he's, he, he's going to be insubordinate, then that officer needs to make a decision. And that's basically getting the supervisor involved. He needs to send that fire for the home. Hmm. Now, some people listening to this podcast are going to see them and say, well, right, that's too extreme. Let's take it to the other case. That firefighter goes out on that rig, and now you have a fire, and now they have an issue, and they get hurt. Who do you think is going to be held accountable? The
2: officer.
6: officer. Because you knew, Mm -hmm. and you did nothing to stop it. And this book in no way, shape, or form is not in any way to come down hard on any firefighter, any officer, even a chief officer. What this book is designed for you to do is, like Doctor Clark said, have a relationship about respectability, knowledge of the rules, and do your job. That's simple.
8: So,
0: David, who's who's up? Who's up next on the call? Uh, We got three people. Hold on, I'm bringing them in now.
3: All right, we're bringing in three callers. Um, uh, anybody got the TV or something
0: on in the background? You can turn that down and then everybody can uh, one by one introduce yourself. Thank you for calling the Larry County Radio Show.
2: What
0: do we got on the line?
2: Good
4: evening. On one line, you got Blades Robinson called from Zero Beach, Florida. This hey, go ahead. You got car, Good I'm still hearing that television in the background there on another on another line. It
2: sounds like. I
10: can't
0: hear,
3: we can't hear you. Oh, there, there
0: we go. There we go.
4: Hey, good evening. Good. Uh, this is Brian Robinson. I'm calling from Vero Beach, Florida. Chief, uh, congratulations on your book. Uh, I'm not certain if it's complete yet because it seems like we might need to add another chapter on uh, on HR here. I don't – can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can yes. fine? Yes. Okay. Man, sensitive topic. Uh, I I believe you all might be aware that uh three firefighters were uh terminated in Memphis uh, after the murder of Tyree Nichols and then uh you know we also have this incident with george floyd and the the subject of a uh a duty to act a duty to intervene uh, has been a, has been discussed uh, in in various circles and I wonder. How that's going to affect the fire service uh, Do you think it affects the fire service If we're there on a, on a medical call uh, We've been called an incident And we we witness uh, A use of force That seems excessive What's our obligation To intervene
6: Well First of all, Blaise uh, How you doing, my brother uh, Well, I appreciate I appreciate you calling in and before I answer uh, uh, re- or reply to your response, let me give you a little bit of background about Blades. I met Blade Robinson uh, at basically a dive show, and I was introduced to him, by uh, Susan Long. And uh, me and Blades have been friends ever since. And during the COVID, I was actually down at his house, and that was when COVID was at an all-time terrible high. And um, I remember I was actually going to – head back and he was very animate. He said, no, nah, man, I got a house here. I can stay another house. You stay here. And uh, I never forgot that. And I am very appreciative of Mr. Robinson's hospitality. And um, he is the president, and CEO of Dive Rescue International that does dive rescue training for law enforcement agencies, fire departments all over the world. Not just the United States, all over the world. So I am very appreciative, Braids, that you called. So thank you for calling and thank you for your support.
4: Well, thank you, thank now, you for the plug.
6: No worries. So now let's, let's talk hear about, about the
4: now because this is this going to be an interesting topic, uh, man. It, it, I'm sure it's not in your HR book and it's not in the to manual yet. But at some point, I think this is something uh, <laughs> we got. It, Man, to be a civil society, it's
6: something we have to discuss and address. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So let me just say this. In both instances, I was not there at the George Floyd incident, nor was I there in Memphis. But looking at this, and, again, I am not sitting here second-guessing anybody, but if I'm a medic and I see something that's not right, I'm going to have to get on the radio and call for a supervisor or also document via the radio, what's going on in order to protect myself.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: Um, again, I am not second-guessing anybody. I am not saying the duty to act. But the other question that comes up, if I'm a paramedic, I do not have a firearm. I am not a law enforcement individual. However, if I get to the scene and I try to do the best thing and render aid. First thing I need to ask myself, is this scene safe? One of the things that I don't think we anybody knows yet, and again, this investigation is still unfolding, is the radio traffic, did the officers make that scene safe? Maybe they staged it in an area and did not get a clear, all clear. I don't know. I'm just surmising if that was the case. They were acting in the best interest of their safety based on the rules and regulations and guidelines of their department. Maybe they couldn't respond in until they had a scene safe. However, if I got there and I'm with another medic and I start to see inappropriate behavior in order to protect myself, I'm going to have to call in on the radio and have it documented and ask for a supervisor. And I get
4: get the documentation to protect yourself. What do we have to do to protect a civilian and and again, uh-huh. I get it, man we're not sworn officers, but we are sworn employees uh of the of the municipality and man, at what point do we have a a duty to intervene or a duty to act uh and at what point do we cross the line and go man uh, potentially jeopardizing our own Uh, violating a a law by intervening or trying to uh, intervene in in a law enforcement action.
6: Well, again, Blake, that's a very tough pill to swallow because here's what you have to understand. As a paramedic, I do not have a firearm. And if I have a situation where I walk up, where I come up and trying to render aid and they are still actively engaging with the suspect, whether it was, Appropriate behavior or inappropriate behavior, there's no way that two medics are going to stop three or more police officers from apprehending a suspect. It's not going to happen. You can try it, but I can tell you right now, from a law enforcement perspective, you may become part of the problem. Because now these individuals may say, you know, obstruction of justice. So, again, I mean, that's a very, very sticky slope. I understand we have a right to
11: uh,
6: protect the civilian. I get it. But also, at the same time, if we're actively going to a scene that maybe has not or has been rendered safe, um, and if they're still in the process of um, apprehending a suspect and there's a tussle going on, from my perspective as a, as a paramedic, I, I have to make sure that my scene is safe and that I protect myself. I want to call that in, say, hey, I need a supervisor out here. This is unappropriate behavior, but how do I know if it's unappropriate? I don't know what the police guidelines are. I don't. Hey, hey,
5: hey this is Dwayne Godwell. Can I interject on this conversation? Very, cheap. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, Blake. Uh, good question and good scenario and I'm just going to kind of tag on to what Chief Carmichael is saying in most departments they have a hostile environment standards protocols or whatever but the key thing that happened in this event is that there was lack of supervision on the law enforcement side and no one took command or control and just what we do in all of these defense unified command having people there in place to render decisions in this situation there was a lack of supervision from the law enforcement side that would give those paramedics the, the all clear to be able to render treatment to that individual now watching the video and everybody has their opinion that Mr. Nichols was incapacitated There was nothing else going on for the majority of the time. And those videos that are out there now, especially the one from the still camera, shows that that event took place for 66 minutes. So the fault is falling onto the law enforcement because they did not give any direction guidance on the scene being safe. And then that could ultimately lead into why those firefighters or paramedics did not render care but it's a good question and it's a good uh, uh, situation that Chief Carmichael is involved in, in incident command. Unified command, having the right people in the right place at the right time to make the right decisions. That's my two cents. Mm -hmm. I
4: I appreciate your two cents, friend, uh, and, and spot on to you. I'll be honest, I have not watched either the joy George Floyd video or the most recent video from Memphis, uh, man, like some of you, uh, I've seen too much tragedy in my life and I, I just, I, I don't care to watch it, uh, Mm
2: -hmm.
4: unfold on a video screen. That's, that's not who I am, but, um, I do feel for all involved. Uh, and it's just uh man, it's a it's a it's a bad situation and I can only wonder, um what a firefighter, what a station officer a lieutenant on the on the engine or the handbook what are you supposed to do when you see something that just doesn't look quite right to you? And uh mm-hmm. at, at what point do you intervene? And you know there's some some policies within within uh, even Memphis Police Department that any sworn employee that observes another employee use uh, prohibited force or inappropriate or unreasonable force must attempt to safely intervene by verbal and physical means. And at uh, hmm. uh, what point does that involve uh, actions by the by the fire department?
5: Okay, wait, last, 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 point for me. I, I last point for me in, in, in line with what you're saying. Post-9-11 environment, homeland security, law enforcement uh, uh, profession, they have put out a mantra. You see something, say something, and you have to include do something. And they expect us as civilians, when things go on, that we're going to say that we're going to, if we see something and it's not right, that we're going to take the appropriate steps to report it or get that information out there. Unfortunately, this is not occurring in that community. And now you have to also include the fact that um, adding to that mantra is do something, see something, say something, do something, and nothing was done. A lot was seen no one said anything and obviously no one did anything and i'm going to end on that yeah,
1: so could be yeah and, and let me say this that could be because there definitely could be a whole nother show which is a very good um topic because you get you know whether you cross the line between rules and humanity and, and and duty to act and words that begin and end and that could be probably a whole nother book and definitely a whole nother show. But one way as we kinda of wrapping things up and, and, and um and and bring things to a close is um saying that it's probably even more in support of why Chief Carmichael's book is so important because you necessarily <laughs> you can't necessarily write a book to cover all the rules, but definitely if everybody are following the rules that were there. That minimizes or eliminates all of this. And like I said, you get proper supervision, number one, and David and I are really big proponents, if you ever know about our personal leadership mantra, is this. You have to take personal leadership because uh, so many things can fall in the cracks when you're looking for somebody to tell you to do the right thing. So your personal leadership should be something that you don't need an SOP with. You know it's wrong. You know it ain't right you stop yourself, you stop others around you, or they should stop themselves. And then that that helps fill in the gaps for rules and regulations and SOPs and MEMS and the whole nine because when you when people don't step in those gaps, then people possibly die. And that's just how it is. Avoidable I'm talking about avoidable stuff that can happen to all of us, whether it's something that we've seen in the news or whether you're not acting correctly on the fire scene, people people can lose their lives by not necessarily taking that personal leadership or waiting for a book to tell you what to do. However, when we have a lot of this stuff already in place of, of, of how to act and, and rules and as in Chief Carmichael's book, um, you know, stuff that, that the common things that you now have a gap from when everybody acts like they should, you reduce the chances of these kind of things slipping through the cracks. So that could be another book, maybe one day, Chief, in the future that you can, you know, do some research on and, and fill in those gaps. But I just feel like from a humanity standpoint, from a service standpoint of who we all are, and we, we make it even take even more um, responsibility when we become public services, firefighters and policemen and all that, then we should, we should take that humanity to a, to a new level because we have, you know, what the what Spider-Man said, more, much is, you know, more responsibility. You know, when you have more responsibility, you know, more is expected. So I guess it, 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 it shouldn't be that big of a balance that we should have to do to stand up for humanity of anybody that we protect and are serving. And I'm not trying to have an opinion about it one way or the other because just like uh Chief Carl Michael said we weren't there. Uh the command system was definitely failing because if you had the true command system in place and everybody was playing their part, then there might have been a whole different outcome of this whole thing. So number one, let's follow the rules that we already have in place that most departments have. Number two, or no, or let's flip it. Number one, have some personal responsibility in all these decisions we make. And then maybe number two, make sure we fully support the command system. And if the command system ain't there, you know the command system, then act like the command system is there and act accordingly, like there was a integrity-bound supervisor looking over you and telling you what to do or what not to do. And if we kind of got those things, two things going, we might lessen the chances of things slipping through the cracks, whether you're a firefighter or whether you're a police officer or any public servant. So I'm not going to, you know, like we have to, to always make sure we champion that. And that's why David and I are, are huge proponents of that whole personal leadership model that we promote because it, it continues to make you look yourself in the face, not only as a person. When you put their uniform and their badge on, then makes you look in the mirror even deeper because we have a bigger responsibility to the public that we serve. So that's well, my two I... cents. Because it's the Larry County Radio Show. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
2: hey,
4: listen. I just I wanted uh, I appreciate the opportunity to bring a bring an issue to the surface uh, for discussion. And as you say, it, it, it may be appropriate for a whole other radio show at a later point in yeah. time. Uh, for uh, future uh, inflection. But I tell you, Mm -hmm. I want to say thank you to all of you for your efforts to make this world a better place, to share information, uh, and uh, help others learn. Uh, Y'all are appreciated, and uh, we keep this kind of discussion going and uh, sharing information, sharing resources, sharing knowledge. Our world will be better. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm glad to be a part of it. Thank you all for your for your hard work.
0: Thank you, Blade. Thank you. Thank you. 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 Um, <laughs> We've uh, we yeah a few minutes left. Um, it's been a very,
1: very full show, and uh, we thank you for um, everything. Unfortunately, we don't have time to go through the next
4: scenario because we got
1: to uh, start wrapping things up, but um, for good reasons because a lot of people called in and support. It like a lot of people are going to get their hands on the usable, workable um, tool, necessary tool, mm-hmm. um, like you said when we were discussing, this kind of off the air. These are normal, necessary things that happen every day, but a lot of times they're mismanaged, and when they're mismanaged, normal, simple, everyday uh, scenarios in in the firehouse can turn into a lawsuit. <laughs> it can turn into you losing money or losing your career, and uh, so we shouldn't take them, you know, take these scenarios for granted. But, of course, uh, when you get the book, you have plenty of time to look over things. And if you do this book like I anticipate to call Michael want you to do, then this book become a tool. It become almost your Bible of the officer, so to speak. And, and you know what a good Bible is. You can always tell that the Bible that's just good for the coffee table, or the Bible that's been used. The Bible has been used it's a little worn on the edges. you got some some dog ears in the, in, in, the, in the tips of the pages. They got some highlights going on. It's a little tattered. Your book should look like that. And your book looks like that because that's, that's evidence that you study. Then you are lessening your chances for getting in trouble as an officer when these kind of HR um, um, things arise. And, 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 and I can predict this. too. Carmichael is going to have to write some future books because our world is constantly changing. Uh, and, and, and rights are, you know, are, are constantly being, um, dealt with in different ways just, just because of how things are evolving. So we got to learn how to deal with the whole community who signs up to be firefighters and they may not look as we've always traditionally known, uh, firefighting to be. So for that kind of humanity connection, then we definitely need to continue to perfect. What Chief Carmichael is putting out now, putting out now, and then maybe future volume two, <laughs> volume three, volume four, whatever, to continue to empower us to be uh, better supervisors. So, um, but as we wrap things up, I want to kind of just give Chief Carmichael uh, uh, a a um, um, opportunity to kind of um, kind of you know wrap it up, uh, give us a future what you think. The um, book, how the how well the book should be used or the methodology should be used, and um, and like I said, tell us when you anticipate it's going to be out so everybody can be um, looking forward. And and of course, I'm gonna need a signed copy. You already know that without saying. So oh I'm
10: yeah, gonna, exactly. so I'm,
1: But I'm gonna put it out there since we document things, it'll be documented on this podcast. that I said I wanted a signed copy, <laughs> but uh, but anyway, just you know, go ahead and kind and do that so we'll go wrap up with uh, Chief Q Michael and um we'll go to Mommy Lane David and then uh I'll bet cleanup. So go ahead Chief, take it away.
6: So um real quick uh, first of all I'm very appreciative of everybody who called in here tonight um uh, giving their insight. I'm really wanna thank uh Larry, um you and uh David and uh your your mother, you guys are beautiful people. Um, I hope you keep this going, and we'll keep it going because Bobby Houghton was what he would have wanted. Um, also to the fire engineering community, uh, Diane Feldman. Um, there's, like I said, there's a lot of people that I need to thank. Uh, Dr. Reggie Freeman, uh, my battalion chief, Jeffrey Gore. Um, he believed in me when I didn't believe in myself, and he had my back when nobody else did. And Absolutely. He knows what I'm talking about. And uh, I will tell you, um, you know, my mother, uh, my family, um, right now a little beside myself because my daughter is in Italy for four months, and I can't put my hands on her, but she'll be home soon. (laughs) Whatever. And, uh, you know, uh, but uh, it's just been a, a really good ride. There's been a lot of people who have supported me over the years. You don't get here by yourself. I stand on the shoulders of giants. And um, I'm just happy to be here. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Uh, I love you all, and uh, God bless. I'm really looking forward to the book, and it's not going to be able to answer everything, but it's going to be a tool that people can use when they have a similar incident. It's also designed to be able to have those hard discussions, like some of the discussions that we've had tonight, And we're not going to be able to solve all of these problems, but at least they have a format when they have to manage an HR issue. So with that being said, i got to get back to writing. I appreciate you guys having me on the uh, webcast, and uh, I am very grateful and thankful for having this opportunity. Thank you again, Larry. And and,
1: and then um, say it again, the name of the book is what?
6: The name of the book is going to be called Managing HR Issues in the Firehouse.
1: Okay. And it's got a great acronym that you'll be able to use to help you um, manage almost any HR um, issue that you have in the firehouse, right?
6: Yep. And that acronym is going to be called POISM. And there will be subacronyms to each one of those. And um, you'll have to wait to see when the book comes out. All right. right. There you go.
1: Mommy Lane, what you got?
3: I thought this was a really good show. A lot of interesting things came out. Um, And anytime you produce something, even in its infancy, that gives you food for thought. And um, that's what I think was going on a lot. Even you know with almost all of the callers that came in, and was, even though they were given you know Chief Carmichael props and things like that, but they pretty much a lot of them brought up stuff that really needs to be thought about. It needs to be looked at, and so I think the book is going to also be something that will stimulate people to just think and be thinking of things and trying to see how things can be improved and be changed or whatever. And any time you do that, that's a good thing. And and because we've seen this this incident that that kind of came up, Uh, stuff like that book is really needed. Even though it may be targeting firefighters, the principles will be applicable to whoever. And so for that. I'm glad we had this, this time together to talk about this kind of thing. I'm going to write me a sure. book too.
6: Well, thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. thank you. I look forward to mm-hmm. seeing you at SDIC.
3: Me? <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, you, Mr. Lane.
2: You're
0: to got a good part mm-hmm. of your party on Thursday
1: night. You know what it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a um, David, David, David
0: my brother. My brother David. Yeah man. Um so the um energy, you know, of, of the show, um okay. is, is that kind of energy that it sounds like the book will um you know tick between its its uh two covers. And that is obviously something that will be very needed from a you know technical and educational standpoint, but also just from an inspirational standpoint uh, in the fire service and then in you know the world as, as we kind of go forward. Principles are a thing that you know Chief uh, Conley and I try to stand on and, and try to promote and teach, and so um, to be hearing that a, a A book like this that's going to be, you know, talking about principles and how to better people, Um, that's just something that that deserves applause. We're talking about somebody who is a giant, you know, in the instructional space in the fire service and also probably in more than one area and just the countless people that have been uh, inspired by you. Chief Carmichael, I just, I think the book will only, you know, make that more so uh, with other people who will be getting to know you and getting to know your thoughts and your heart and your spirit uh, through this book. So congratulations on that uh, um, ahead of time. And um, so we look forward to seeing it, man. And so, you know, God bless you. Great job.
6: All right. Well, thank you very much. I'm very appreciative of that. Thank you, Mm
1: David. And um, I don't have um, too much more to add to that. Um, I think all has been said, we usually have to have a lot to say to people. But when you get like, I think mean, well, we have like 73 people call days uh, uh, <laughs> 78, uh, 78. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, 78. I'm you know, sorry I'm I running out of you know, the advocacy, but, but seriously. Mm. But that's, mm. just that's to me in Let the testament kidding. to, number one, how much <laughs> service. And you got people who who are who, who calling in, who are there for you, who are you know, just like mm-hmm. we talked about um, Bobby early in the show, and, and what you probably don't mm-hmm. see at FDIC is some huge tribute just because of, of of how much sacrifice and service he did in making others better. And when you mm-hmm. do that, you're going to have a lot of support. Um, um, so, uh, so if that principle is true, then uh, Chief Carmichael was a testament to that tonight, that uh, mm-hmm. people calling in, people, Wanting to congratulate them, people want to uh, reminisce about, "Hey, I know that guy." And when you when you do that, that means that you you are doing something right. And when you're a firefighter, usually doing the right thing means how well are you servicing not only the citizens but your colleagues, mm-hmm. you know, family, and things of that sort. So, I think tonight was just a testament. To uh, the wide why, the, the why support you will get for this book is going to, um, I don't know if, I don't know if I, our books that come out, the fire service become New York bestsellers or something, but maybe it will. Who knows, you might be the first one who do it if it doesn't. You know, New but, Jersey. Uh, I anticipate it. But, yeah, <laughs> if you live in to, listen to Jersey and parts of Florida, too, you know. oh, that's so,
2: Right.
1: Uh, that's but, <laughs> but, but definitely it's going to be a, a bestseller. It's going to come from a, a great source. And I think, I think mm-hmm. even before people read the book, they're just going to abide on the strength of the reputation and the service mm-hmm. and all the help mm-hmm. that Chief Carmichael has given um, people in the fire service. And probably not in, also out of the fire service over the years were um um he's he he's basically showing his heart, showing his his belief, his and his uh and now, see, some, people, some people are popular just because they got a lot of charisma and, and things of that sort. Um Chief Carmackle not only has the charisma, but he backs it up with the knowledge. And so, you know, you might draw him in with the charisma. But when you walk out of his classes or after you've been in his presence or or anything of that sort, you are a better person because you've been in in in, in association with him. And I can testify to that because it's happened to me personally and then Prince and people that we know in common. So, um, so like I said, I can already predict this book is going to be a huge success just based on who the author is. And uh, so if you need, Something, especially as an officer, as a, like I said before, as a, as a Bible, to to <laughs> make you make the wise decisions, Solomon-type decisions, uh, mm-hmm. with, with with the um, with, with the issues that you may have, and you are truly taking care of people. Take care of your people that you work with, and when you master that, then you'll be better for taking care of people you don't know. That we say it all the time when we do a class, if I can't trust you to take care of the people that you do know in the firehouse, mm-hmm. then how can I trust you to take care of the people you don't know? Wow. But, I mean, it's, it, it, that's a weird human parallel That I hate you. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see you do well. I'm not going to read books like Chief Carmichael's book to, to handle my HR issues the best way I can for my people to support them. But somehow, those hero bees are gonna come on, the light's gonna go off, and I'm just gonna put it all on the line for the people in the street. So we gotta see that parallel. So how will you? That home training is. <laughs> that home training there you
5: go. That, that there you home go.
1: training. You get that home training right, you gonna take. You gonna you gonna be okay in the street. And books like this, and, and narratives like this, and teachings like this will help empower you. To be great at home, so you can be great in the street.
2: Mm. Yep.
1: That's, and, and so that's how that's how I feel. I hope it. Like we didn't, see Cormac and I didn't talk about this, but if I know him, hopefully it lines up with his vision of this book as well. It's one of the visions of this book. Yep. But uh. Yep. But we um, we uh, I think we got one more show, um, radio show before the. Um, one more podcast before FDIC, and then we'll be at FDIC. It may be sometime in March, I think, we during the next show, and then after that, we'll be live at FDIC during the uh, show there. And you know, So we'll let you know what the schedule We'll probably know in March what the schedule will be at FDIC. So come and check us out. Come and check our class out. Um, and come and check us out when we uh, do the radio show. Because I think this year, um, we we'll usually do it like in a hidden, secret location, you know. But I <laughs> think this year, they're going to try to have it kind of out out in the open somewhere. So if it's out in the open, mm-hmm. that's even even cooler. You have, you know, cool people walking by. And it's just going to make it more alive, I think. So I'm going to enjoy experiencing that. But I always look forward to getting back to FDIC. And it's just kind of bittersweet this year without Bobby Harden being there. Because every time I get back to FDIC, I say to myself, whew, made it back another year and then unfortunately we know people when we do the memorials some people did make it back the next year and it's just mm-hmm. really weird that somebody you would normally would be talking to us in bobby um kind of somehow expressing their sentiment one of you all ain't gonna make it back next year and you know what it's still january so i'm i'm speaking like you know uh <laughs> you know i i know what god has um coming up but god willing you know, I'll be there. I'll see all the friends and friends and um, that I've got to know and been very dear to over the years, and and make some new ones, of course. And uh, can't wait to see you there. Chief called Michael, we hang out like we usually do, and and uh, like you said, show up and show out this year because the show must go on, and uh, that's right. the way that Bobby would have wanted. So, so I'm looking forward to it for a lot of reasons this year, but um, it's going to be a great time up in Indianapolis. So, um, so like I said, stay tuned. Check out social media. Check us out on Com to see where them Conley boys are going to be. Uh, I think um, in a couple of days this weekend, they will be flying in from Atlanta, uh, from ATL to STL. Bring your coat, David, because it's a little chilly <laughs> up here. And we'll be out of um, mm-hmm. the Winter Fire School out in in uh, Columbia, Missouri. That's always a great time. Bobby was supposed to present there this weekend, so um he won't be there for that of course. But um we got a lot of great great speakers that's gonna be doing it. And for us in Missouri, Winter Fire School is kind of our you know, our primer. We're trying, we're trying to kinda get us ready for FDIC, you know, the gathering with friends and, and local talent and national talent that will be coming in and um, getting ready. And then um, after that, we got a couple more stops we're going to make throughout our new weekends-only program um, <laughs> that we're doing around Missouri now. And, uh, and that's, that's always fun. And it's kind of has to be weekends-only now because Uncle Larry is – Working nine to five every day, but uh, we'll we'll work to schedule <laughs> out and get back out there and do some more stuff. You know, uh, that's the sacrifice of, the, of being the deputy chief of training. I you know, gotta gotta work during the week now. Every day it's like groundhog day. Getting you know, up every day, but it's a great opportunity. I'm to really enjoying myself in the new position over there in Collinsville, Illinois. So shout out to all the um, great firefighters and paramedics over there. Um, but we'll see you. This weekend, for those of you coming out to Columbia, Missouri, and um, we'll see everybody else in between with the classes we do between and FDIC. And for those of you that will see FDIC, we can't wait to see you and have a good time and and have a drink um, in Bobby's name. So unless you got anything else, Chief, we out. We'll see you guys in seven weeks. next show with another great guest. Until then, stay safe, y'all.
3: And,
1: uh, Good job, everybody. Get the book. Thank you, All everybody.
6: Right. God bless. All right. Bye
1: bye. Talk yeah. to you later. All right. Bye
6: bye.